We're back with another episode of The Principal's Trust. Tonight, we're joined by Ebony Weathers, who works in our central office around issues of equity and diversity. We are excited to have her voice join us tonight. So give a listen and let us know online what you think it means to be an equitable leader. Ebony, welcome. Really excited for you to be here with us. How, how are you doing? Thank you so much. Um, you know what? I am doing really well. I think I was exhausted as well. It's been a long week and it's what Wednesday, um, mm-hmm. but coming in here and seeing y'all, the homies, the hive, right? We're not using that one. Uh, the trust mm-hmm. circle. Yeah, there I'll you go. Stephanie, you're digging that. But, uh, <laughs> but being here already in these few minutes has brought me a lot of joy and kind of amped me up. So I'm excited to be here. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. The work is hard and heavy. Um, but it makes it better and easier, I think, when we can collaborate and connect with one another and just bring joy back into this place because we need it. Word. So, Ebony, what, what is the work you're leading? Like, what are you doing now? You know, I don't even know. Uh, no, to be to be honest with you. Um, so I was recently appointed the executive director of equity and belonging. And it's a new division in San Diego Unified. And so really what I'm doing is building the aircraft as we're mid-flight in the middle of the air and kind of figuring out what this looks like for our district and how to best support students and staff and families um, with that equity lens. And so right now, um, the equity and belonging division encompasses seven different departments, um, really amazing diverse departments. Um, great leaders and and managers and directors that are doing great work already and just kind of bringing those folks together um, with a central focus of equity and belonging for our young scholars. So can you expand on that, Ebony? Exactly. So what are the seven departments that are under the umbrella of equity and belonging? All right. So you're going to pop quiz me right now and I got to get this right. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, We've got academics through agency um, or A squared. We've got ethnic studies, um, we've got youth advocacy, we've got placement and appeals, um, we've got family engagement, we've got restorative justice practices, and we're also working in collaboration with uh, Kimberly Moore, who's our diversity and inclusion officer. Oh, wow. I, I had no idea. I did not yeah. know that. That's I think wow. all seven. So some power, like some really amazing, powerful people and departments that are doing awesome work um, in terms of student support. So I'm excited to bring those folks together and really kind of rethink um, and design and build and dream together ways that have not been tried um, to support our school sites and our students. It sounds very exciting, but also daunting. It is, it, it, it's hard to like sit in for like, you get excited. I was super excited to come back and like equity and belonging. I left San Diego Unified for a year. I was at the county office. I got to work with a wide range of different, um, you know, districts and people, which I think was really helpful Mm -hmm. um, in terms of perspective and just seeing what other districts are doing or not doing to kind of inform my transition back. So hearing that we have this new division, which is around something that I'm super passionate about, was really exciting. And then I get here and it's like a blank slate has become so intimidating, right? Like there are so many different directions that this could go and so many different ways that we can reach out and build and support that it sometimes feels like overwhelming the number of possibilities. But I'm trying to lean into it. Um, I'm really trying to 
see what's possible and lean on the the brilliance and the expertise of the people that I'm surrounded by. So it's been both. It's been both for sure. Okay, so so I have a question for the group based on that. Maybe we can chop it up about this for a minute. Yeah, I struggle with the word equity. It's like I struggle with the word rigor, right? As a leader, like rigor, what does that mean, right? Because you end up in these debates about is it like an AP class with a high focus on content? Is rigor asking really hard questions regardless of content, really pushing students to be able to just back up ideas? Rigor is a hard word for because I think often it's, uh, you know, it, you almost have to figure out which, which, which dialect everyone is speaking when they say the word rigor. And I feel like the word equity is the same way. What does it mean if I am an equitable leader? What does it mean if my school is equitable, if, I, if my goals are equitable? Um, anybody have any thoughts on that? Like Ebony, obviously you too, but like, what does equity mean if I am an equitable leader? Melissa, I'm going to pipe in because I have actually a response that's really connected to you, but I want to give other folks a, a chance to kind of pop in here. But don't let me forget. I'll just say this. I feel like I know I had to reframe some of the work that I was doing, that I've been doing at Morris. Um, when we were kind of doing like our anti-bias work, um, doing some work, uh, pertaining to Zaretta Hammond's uh, okay. culture response teaching in the brain. I remember being like, this is our equity work, right? And I was kind of putting it in like this little bubble of mm -hmm. like, this is when we talk about equity, we're talking about this. But then I began to really like take a step back as I was doing work with center-based grading and things of that nature and realizing that really equity is the umbrella in regards to what we're doing. Everything is kind of underneath that. It's, it's not you can't like pigeonhole it into, in, into one little group. It really is all the work that we're doing to bring about um, change um, at our site. So I know that's not really answering your question about what exactly is equity, but but I, I definitely wanted to, to, to point out that I did have a ref reflective moment in thinking about the fact that we can't just put it in a small little container and say, we're doing this little bit of equity work pertaining to one thing. It really is all the work that we're doing to really provide equitable opportunities for our students, breaking systemic practices at our sites, um, making sure that all kids have access to quality education in various forms. So that's kind of where I'm at in that kind of big picture look frame, our framework. Because that's a hard question to really think about like what, I feel you on that. Because it is thrown around a lot. I think that equity work is glamorized. And I think that if you're really doing equity work, you're gonna be standing by yourself, whether you're doing it on behalf of kids, whether you're doing it on behalf of your building or yourself, it is the most unglamorous place to be when you are really fighting for what is right. So I don't know, that's kind of how I, I look at it because I think the, the work gets glamorized because all most people see is the end product and nobody gets to see the middle, messy, disgusting, arduous, painful, um side of it so i think equity work what is equity work i think equity work is messy it's lonely it's courageous um but it's the work that you need to do so so why lonely is, is that because you're at a at an elementary school and you're you don't you don't have a team yet where you've kind of just curious out of curiosity yeah like, like, like why lonely because i think not everybody's down to be equitable and mm. there are very few people who really 
want what the full vision of equity is, right? Because to be equitable means that for some people, you're going to have to give something up and not everybody wants to do that, right? So um, I think it's a, it's, it's, it can be very lonely if, if you don't have people who, who believe in, in, in what it, what it's supposed to be, because it's, like I said before, it's not glamorous. It's like hard ass work, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, it's just difficult work. This is very, very yeah. difficult work. I have to find, I agree with you completely. And I, just to add to that, um, I think part of the loneliness is the fact that so much of equity work is around this sort of internal shift which is a very individualized process, right? Like it's our own stuff that we have to unpack, that we have to look at. We have to be super critically aware. And those are things that happen on an individual by individual basis, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the experience or the journey that I'm on in terms of equity looks really different. Even if I've got somebody that's down right next right. to their right. process, their journey is completely separate from that, um, right? And so we come together at certain points in that journey but so much of equity work is invisible, it's internal and it's individual and it can feel isolating and it can feel lonely. Um, And like you said, and I have to find this meme and send it to you, there's this picture of Lizzo uh, who is, you know, everything. And she's on some red carpet and she's holding the tiniest little handbag. I mean, it's like (laughs) the size of a pack of gum. Have you seen it? Yes. And she's holding it and it's like, it it says, this is the amount of people who, like everybody talks about equity, but this is the amount of people that are willing to actually give something up in order Mm -hmm. to create equitable circumstances. And it's like just word, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Because talking about it and being about it are two very different things. Vastly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of thinking of a a conference that Melissa and I went to towards the end of of, um, the last school year, and it was about the economic development of San Diego, and they were talking about, and you guys have heard this, like these large industry sectors that have to go, they have to leave San Diego to find the talent for their companies, and they were saying that like if we focus on investing in the students in our city, specifically the ones that represent these diverse um, demographics that we want in our industry, we could actually turn this talent deficit into a surplus. Like if we invest in all of the kids in our city and we won't have the problems that we're having, but I think to the point that Ebony just made, it's like, what are you willing to give up to make sure that happens? And I also, when I think about equity too, and I appreciate what you just said, Ebony, about like, this is all like internal work that nobody can see. I just got checked two weeks ago by one of the girls in my advisory class who dresses what traditionally would be called very provocative. And she said, I'm, I'm a straight A student. I'm, I'm in AP classes. People want to judge me for the, for the way that I dress. And I'm like, I'm, and I, Melissa and I've had these conversations. I'm not going to police people's bodies and say like, you're a distraction to learning when you're over here getting, you know, racking up like all of these, like above a 4.0. And I think that like, we have been so conditioned to believe like people are a certain way just on site and we treat them accordingly. And so that's like a lot of the, like, self-work like the leadership work because that then informs like you know people watch us it's like well how do you deal with it because that's how I'm going to deal with it um and so we kind of set the tone for like our belief systems another thing that comes to mind and 
Um, this is work again that Melissa and I are like really grappling with on a day-to-day -day basis. We have to calibrate with our leadership team is like discipline. Kids get into fights. Like, are we really restorative? Like, are we going to really give kids a chance to like learn from this? Or are we just going to slap their hand, assign the consequence, get them out of school and then hope, you know, and pray that they back restored, you know, without doing anything in between that time. So, you know, those are just a few examples that come up off the, crop, the, the top of my head because, you know, I think the, what, what we're pushed or what we're sold is like, you know, they put equity on the cover of books and they talk about rigorous classrooms and outcomes and whatnot, but it's like these subtle nuanced things that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis that we have to really critically examine in the way that we show up and respond to them. What you said brought something up for me, um, which is, I guess, sort of like this moral imperative. And as a classroom teacher, it came up for me a lot. And you talked about the dress code. Um, and a lot of that is as a leader, you know, especially people are looking at you and seeing what you do. And you've got this female student who's showing up and wearing something that's provocative or revealing. And you want to say, I'm not going to police your body, but where do we like, where do we show up or where do we draw the line around? I'm going to love and embrace you and support you making choices for yourself, but I'm also going to prepare you for the real world. And when you wear this in the real world, these are some consequences. So how can I prepare you for that? Because just thinking about like standardized testing and stuff like that, like, do I believe that this is an equitable system for assessing your learning for what you understand and what you know? Uh, not necessarily always, right? But I also know that I have to prepare you to engage with this test in this world as it exists today. So what are the conversations we can have about, I'm gonna prepare you for something that's going to happen. I don't agree with it. And here's how we can change this moving forward. It's a hard question. Well, I think our- Go ahead, Go ahead. Oh, I just, I'll be quick because I, I don't want to take up too much airtime. And thank you for that question because it's still a dilemma. And I don't know the answer to that question, Ebony. No, but what no. I do know is that school is not the real world. Our kids know how to code switch. They know what professional dress looks like. They're not going to wear that on a job interview. So I think that that is like a, I guess I would say a, a misconception to think like the kids know how to speak in an interview setting. They're not going to talk the same way when they're in my advisory class. So I think that there, that there is a misconception behind that belief. And, and then also just to add to that, like that's an argument we hear a lot of teachers say about decisions they make in their lesson plans. Mm -hmm. We're not in the real world. We're in school. And yes, we're preparing you for the real world. We're, we're, world. we're teaching you how to be critical thinkers, writers, speakers, artists, creatives so that you are prepared for this dynamic world and complicated, messy world we live in. But I don't know. I think those are some surface level things that have conditioned us to believe that that's what you have to be. Like, look at how you show up at work, Ebony. Like, much mad respect that you can come to, to work and you wear sweatpants. You don't need to be in a three-piece suit to claim the seat that you've got. And you're a high level leader in our system. So do you really need to dress like that to be in those spaces? So I guess that I'll just leave it at that. Oh yeah. So, I mean, when I think of the work of equity, I really think of when it's the internal work, I think it's, we, we are on a journey to, to be our next best selves and we're inspiring others to do that as well. And we're showing that to our students um, through love, like through flexible thinking. Um, and oftentimes we don't cultivate the gifts that our students bring to school because we're we're so quick to see that compliance nature that Melissa Agudelli you're talking about. Um, 
But I do think so often, um, especially if you're a leader of color and you're a leader of color in spaces where, you know, um, you're, you're a minority and you're leading people that aren't, then it's like, okay, well, we're equitable. We have a black leader. Or it's almost like equity is like, like tokenism or equity is this word that it's like, well, we do it. So that's, uh, that that's the response to in making sure that we've um, we've made sure that we're we're compliant in in what whatever it is that we're delivering. So yeah, like or I don't know. I even think that sometimes it can be as a leader, it can almost be martyr for the cause. Like I'm going to be the equity warrior, and I'm the one person with my vision that's going to save this whole system, and and that's kind of messed up too. So I mean, I do think that. Um, when I think of equity, it is really keeping in mind um, just a lot of things, but really checking in with myself and um, really understanding the strengths of, of the students that are around me and, and then the students that are in our classrooms. And then also, you know, checking in with others and, and allowing people to have voices and, um, and really, really examining areas where we can really empower ourselves and to really empower our students to be successful in life. Uh, Melissa, can I bring it back though to what I was going to say earlier? Cause the whole genesis of this amazing conversation was what's the definition of equity, right? Mm -hmm. And so as I've been working with my teams and developing a vision for our district around equity, what I always come back to is this phrase that I heard from you. So I've used it everywhere. I credit you as often as I can. But I think really the, the heart of equity is giving students the opportunity for a choice-filled life. And there is no way of going wrong with that. I mean, that is fire. I use it everywhere I can, honestly, because that's what it is, right? And doing that and that, that statement being so simple, um, it feels almost like pedantic and pedestrian, but it requires so much to get to that point, right? Like it requires so much of my personal work, of our collective work to provide that as the outcome that every one of our students has the opportunity for a choice-filled life. And it goes back to what Melissa was saying around like these like equity war warriors who are like, I'm gonna enact my vision of equity. And that's like the opposite of what we're going for is this one singular vision of what equity is. And then we try to get every student able to succeed at the level that we've set, like what is success? It's what our district has said is you know success. You have a diploma and success is really, a choice-filled life, it's determined by an individual. And so that that idea of collectivism um, and, and access and inclusion, I think, is what it's all about. Well, and democratic non-reactive leadership, right? Um, like I think I, I think being being truly equitable also means that. I don't immediately feel this urge to have to respond to everyone because then, then in, in all honesty, I think what I'm doing, this is one of the reasons why I've spoken in the past around like my issues with like customer service based leadership is that not at all that I don't want the people who work and work in my school and the, the parents to come in to not feel fulfilled and responded to and supported. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is sometimes in order to be equitable, I have to be willing to listen to a concern and rather than immediately jump to fixing it, I have to take a step back and ask myself certain questions, right? Where's the truth within this? What is the other side of this story? Where does the story come from? It, what part of the story is mine to own? And as my favorite therapist would often ask me, what's yours to own and what isn't yours to own? Because in parsing those two things out, then I think you can begin to find those that that sort of like space 
of ideal action. And sometimes the most equitable thing I can do is nothing, which is hard as a leader is to like allow us to sit in the discomfort and the reality of the discomfort of what is, right? And so I think that's sometimes the hardest answer I give is, yeah, I hear you. And yes, that's hard. And yep, we messed up. And yep, we should have thought better about that. Um, Because I think traditionally, those are the sorts of answers we're not supposed to give as leaders. We're instead supposed to feel very on top of things. Um, So I don't know. I'm rambling a bit. I like it. I like it. It's reminding me, and I do this all the time, but parenting and leadership are so much the same thing in my world. And so when I show up as a leader with all of the answers and it feels like I'm being responsive in the way that people want me to be responsive, but is actually not allowing space for productive struggle or tension to, to increase our growth edge. Mm -hmm. I do that with my son all the time. And it was like, I want to be the mom that like, I know all the things and I'm very intelligent, right? So he'll ask me things and I know the answer to that. And it, that shift for me in my relationship with my child was being able to say, I don't know let's find the answer together. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? And seeing the opportunity that that created for him to step back and not have the answers and invite productive struggle and tension was really an opportunity to provide that choice filled, you know, life for him to develop answers and develop curiosity. That's so interesting that that's how you interpret what Melissa says, because I always think about it on the back end, like after high school, then what? Well, your life is going to be filled of all of these choices because we've prepared you for all options. So that's kind of interesting that you had that interpretation. That's cool. Mm. Yeah, I really like the idea of a choice-filled life. I mean, but my family has this model where you we want you to be free. We don't want you to work this job because you you have to. You can choose. You choose what you would you would like and you have you do have these options but just this whole idea of being free could be in your career life but it could just be in your everyday life and i know nina and i we lead at steam schools like science technology engineering art math but this whole idea that like work is play play can be work we could teach these kids to play a bunch of games and have fun and these are the things and ask a question that they don't know the answer to year after year after year that they're trying to solve and that could be their work when they grow up. And that just the idea that work is play, play is work. We, we have this opportunity to be free. And I mean, even as adults, like the people that I know um, that like to skateboard, when do you get to do that? When do you get to be free? You get to do that a lot when you're a kid, but how often do we get to do that as adults? And that's why I like this book club so much because I can come to you as I am and be free and say silly stuff and say stuff that doesn't make sense, but then say stuff that makes ultra sense and then just get it. (laughs) Hey, this is Stephanie. That's it for tonight. Thank you for joining the Principles Trust for our discussion. And remember, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at theprinciplestrust.com. We hope you'll join us for our next discussion and share our podcast with other school leaders.